Smart Council is a production of New Pattern Counseling, with additional support from Multnomah University. To learn how to support this podcast, visit patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Reese Basimio is a counselor, teacher, and writer, and the founder of New Pattern Counseling in Gresham, Oregon. His clinical specialties are addictions, gender, sexuality, and spirituality. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Smart Council, attachment-based family therapy and Newport Academy. Smart Council provides perspectives and resources on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I am Reese Basimio, and I have a very special guest today, Marcus Robinson, for hailing all the way from over the border, over the river in Washington uh, and Newport Academy. Uh, Marcus, how's it going? Good. Actually, I'm right here in Portland. Our centers are in Washington, California, and Connecticut, but I live here in Portland as the clinical outreach coordinator in Oregon. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for thanks for pitching this, and uh, I'm excited to hear about the the, the resource you have. Uh, really quickly, like who who are you as a as a clinical person? What, what's your corner of the counseling world? And and then I want to hear all about Newport too. Yeah, my background is um, I kind of came into this work in a very circuitous way. Um, My background was actually I was in pastoral work for 20 plus years. And um, then I taught at an alternative charter school in Colorado Springs. I moved to Portland last summer and started working at um, a recovery center And after a few months, I was like, oh, this was a grave error. This was not where I should be. So um, I very, very nervously walked away from that position and very happily ended up landing with Newport Academy, um, which was it's been great getting back to work with adolescents, work with families and young adults. Um, It's definitely more my wheelhouse. Yeah. So I'm kind of the outreach guy here. Um, I'm not a clinician. I am a resource to clinicians. All right, I, I've had I've had a couple a couple friends in your spot, and yeah. they they're tremendous. Uh, like I don't know, because me me and in my counselor chair. I mean, I know I know some things and some people, but uh, it's always great to know the people who know other know the other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know the people. I'm getting to know the people. That's great. And working with adolescents too is just a really tremendous thing. And I mean, I, I work with adolescents a, a little bit. Uh, I work um, a lot more w- with adults. And um, I, th- I think some, sometimes I'm just afraid, like, I've lost my coolness and I, I, I can't relate to the kids anymore. But yeah, my kids took that away from me years ago. So I'm just <laughs> over it. Now. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, especially in Oregon, there's so little resources for adolescents. So. It's really, this is a big part of my job is connecting with other therapists here, other programs that help out with adolescents, because we pretty much, um, we do residential treatment and, uh, but we don't have any resources here. So it's really dependent upon me knowing other programs that I can connect my clients to when they come back or other resources that they can connect with. Yeah, that's so great. So important. So what is Newport Academy? Yeah, Newport Academy is um, started in California about 11 years ago. Our founder really wanted it to be not not to feel like a rehab. He had been kind of a treatment kid, 
and wanted a different feel. So he wanted more of a life academy approach. And so they started in Southern Cal and expanded to Northern California. Um, then they opened up in Connecticut. And this last year we opened up centers in Washington. And each state has its own different um, kind of breakdown for ages based on the licensure. So basically we work with clients age 12 to 27 and it just depends on uh, the location where, where, they'll, where they'll fit the best. So in California, we have homes that are purely adolescent and then we just added the Newport Institute in California, which are homes for young adults um, who are 18 to 27. And, uh, and then in Washington, our centers that we opened up there, they're for ages 14 to 24. And everything is uh, a gender specific. In California, all the programs are in these homes. And that's where the whole program happens. In California or in Washington, we have um, we bought existing treatment centers. And so we have one in Port Townsend for men 14 to 24. And then uh, April 1st, we opened up for women in Kirkland, right outside of Seattle, Washington, uh, for women 14 to 24. Our program is it's primary mental health and primary substance. So clients don't have to have a substance piece to come uh, into our residential care. We can definitely work with them with mental health issues. Many, many clients do have co-occurring disorders. And so um, I don't know that there's anybody purely substance or we look at it that way. Um, definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's a mental health component there almost always. It's underlying everything. I would make that assumption as well that where there's drugs, there's fire. I mean, there's other <laughs> trauma, trauma. Uh, yes. All right. So, so any given program, it's a it's a cluster of facilities, um, in in separate houses. So, so not one big institution building, but more of a homey setting. Yeah, that's definitely California, Washington. It's a little bit. They're bigger. It, it's it's all on like um like Port Townsend had been uh. It had been Gray Wolf Ranch was the name of the, the former uh, program there. And uh, so it was more like an adventure therapy place where they had cabins and then we have yurts. And uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely a small team. So even in, when they have a larger client base on site, they break them into a small pod of six to eight clients. That sounds great. Um, how long is your program? Um, ideally, we'd love it to be a 90-day program, uh, but we work with uh, private insurance. So, uh, uh, yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> right. with the joys of private insurance, on average, I mean, this just depends on the client. Uh, on average, we get about 43 days of coverage uh, with clients. Sometimes, um, like I have clients who, after seven days, the insurance is one to say, oh, they're done. And uh, we have a great UR team that tries to get them to be able to stay. But uh, yeah, that's the realities. But that's the value of having a small treatment team is that we can start to individualize and react to those kind of situations as they come up as well, too. Right. You can work with each person on a, on a day-to-day as, the, as things change day-to-day, for sure. Yeah. So Okay. So... I'm thinking a little my a little bit of more of my backgrounds in, in addictions with an addictions emphasis. So, yeah, uh, and yours it sounds like it's 
mental health co-occurring, a lot of a lot of support for for addictions also. So then, would it be would a person have to be detoxed primary to coming in on, on the addiction side and and on the mental health side? Does it function as like a like a crisis respite center, or is it more of a yeah, we're more like the next step after clients are stabilized to actually move into treatment. So okay. ideally, you know, if they're coming out of a detox situation or there aren't many adolescents, I would say none, who say, yes, I want to go into residential treatment. <laughs> um, typically, it's a precipitating event that has brought this family and this teenager to this point. And so when they're coming in, um, they do have to be stable enough. We're not a lockdown facility, so they have to be stable enough to um, abide by a contract. Um, They have to be able to be safe and other clients to be safe. Um, But we do deal with clients who have very present SI. Uh, We deal with clients who even have a a degree of, uh, they may have uh, psychosis to a certain degree, but they have to be stable enough to engage with the milieu with other clients and to participate in groups and function in order to, to have treatment happen. Yeah, totally makes sense. So then technically what level of care are you? Oh, we're in the three something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Three something. Three something. Yeah. Uh, three something. Yeah. And I'm kind there, of referencing like ASAM criteria there right. a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. There, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how that all translates into the mental health world. Um, yeah. What, what I, the exact words are. For sure. Um, yeah. I just took the ASAM course. So I think that'd be like 3.5 or 3.7, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should have paid more attention. Yeah, I think um, 3.7 is like a detox, but um so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's really great. So then so once so a, a student client uh teen um I know I like that that it, it goes up into early 20s too because there's I mean <laughs> we'd like to be all grown up by 18 and a lot of times we're we're not. So yeah. having that extra buffer uh, I really love that too. We pass the magic number and ta-da. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all grown up. Uh so so person has to be a little bit stable to to be there and at least not acutely un- under the influence. Yes. Once they get there, what are some of the the treatment approaches or theoretical orientations that are used in the facility? Yeah, Newport uh There's a couple things that kind of are the real pivot points. One is that we have a school component, so an an educational piece for clients when they come in. If they're adolescents um, and they've been doing well in their school, then uh, we are not a therapeutic boarding school. We have great educational people on our team who will actually call their school district and we try to keep their coursework coming. We will work with their IEPs. We will try to honor, you know, if they have special coursework, just they don't have that stress of totally stepping out of their school environment. So um, that's ideal if they have that. Many clients have had a season where they've been checked out of school. And so um, we do have an online curriculum that they can work while they're with us. And they can get back into the flow of school, maybe do a little bit of credit recovery, though how much in that short time. Um, it's more getting them back into some normalcy. Um, and it's the same for young adults. If they are in college, we'll try to keep coursework coming. Um, if they don't have a, a school that they're working with, we'll create an educational component. 
you're doing a job and um, you can move your life forward. So that's intentional. So besides the school component, then um, we utilize um, some of the traditional groups that you would see, a CBT group or DBT. We really want to focus on underlying trauma work. And so we utilize all kinds of different uh, modalities to get at that. We have equine therapists. We do a lot of mindfulness. Um, we'll do some adventure therapy, art therapy. All those clinicians in our different locations are master's level and above and licensed in their state. But the whole focus of our treatment plan is really based around attachment-based family therapy. And that is to deal with some of the family systems and attachment wounds that have happened um, in the lives of our clients when they come in. And so every week, our clients uh, will have a family session online. Um, during normal times, we do a very intensive family day. And uh, since we're recording this during the quarantine, um, it's not normal times. But <laughs> the family day, what it normally looks like is... Um, Parents come and they get in a room with other parents. And it's a pretty amazing thing that happens because we really want to combat the idea that they're shipping Johnny off to get fixed in therapy. So they come into a room and uh, they see other, other parents. And it starts to break down some of those walls of isolation of blame, and they start to hear the stories of other families. And there's this great empathy that happens. And then um, we'll do some psychoeducation. We don't tell them, hey, this is attachment-based family therapy. But <laughs> we, uh, we're giving them some skills that they're going to need to walk this out with their, with their son or daughter. And wow. yeah, it's really valuable just to give them some of those pieces. Yeah, that sort of setting seems so really powerful. And just, I mean, just what you're talking about there, I mean, this idea of, I want, I don't, I don't want to get too close. I don't want to be too involved. Some, somebody else could fix my kid. Sure. And, and not necessarily taking full, full ownership. I mean, not that everything the kid does is the parent's fault, but, but it, but it's a system. And then in the weird mystery of systems, like everybody, everybody plays a role in it in a sense. And, and I love that idea, that image of bringing, but bring it, bringing an individual family together, but also bringing uh, multiple families together so that nobody's quite struggling alone. You, you get to this perspective, well, the world is bigger than me. I'm not the only one working through this. My problems aren't actually that special. And, and wow, there's some other, there's people who are going through the same things that are, that are succeeding and finding hope. And maybe there's some hope for me too. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really the value of, um, there, this is the place where I really like try to present Newport as we're, we're dealing with therapists ideally, and we're dealing with local people who they've come to this point, this juncture in a client's life where they need a higher level of care. And so that client is going off to residential treatment because a different dynamic is needed than what can happen in the home. And so when we get into the family therapy, um, so many parents, they do, they blame themselves or they're realizing, you know, at this point, um, I have four kids myself and, you know, it's that nobody gave me a report card as I went through, you know, it was, uh, oh my gosh, this relationship is 
really broken or this piece is really working well and you often don't know until much later <laughs> you're walking in it and going i don't know um, i didn't have the skills in the moment to walk through that piece and so for families to come together and not in a in any way put a blame on them but to say let's let's walk through this and then they do a family session together and this is where some of those other counseling skills like a dbt that a client in residential is going through getting some of those skills to regulate some of their emotion and then they're doing the attachment-based family therapy those dovetail so well because this client maybe for the first time can speak their story to their mom and dad and it not be an eruption. And that's pretty powerful. That seems really powerful. And <laughs> I'd love to see that. You, you were talking a bit about going going through the parenting journey yourself. And then I'm going through the parenting journey too. And you're right. Nobody, nobody gives us a report card about it. <laughs> uh, maybe we learned a little bit. We read some books you know, beforehand, uh, but, but not always. And right. we might have had some pretty bad examples ahead of time. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, parenting and uh, you know, marriage, long-term relationships—they're they're tricky in this way that there there's not an end point necessarily. There's not a, I mean, with kids a little bit when they move out of the house, but uh, but oh no, there's not. It's not uh, over, yeah, right? <laughs> which, which is what I hear. Yeah, no, you're still uh, doing it. You're still you're still a parent. You still think about them. That's still really salient to your identity. But when there's not really an end point or a point when you've done enough parenting. Uh, it can be really hard to gauge, am I succeeding or failing? And am I doing this well or not? Uh, and, uh, you know, my observation of, of parents is that um, it's, a, it's a huge area of insecurity, even for the best of parents who are legitimately doing really well. You know, I mean, no parent wants to be told, hey, you're failing. You messed up your kid. You did right. something wrong. Which, by the way, no therapist should ever say that anyway. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But 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 I can imagine that you know if a parent if a parent of a child of a teen is saying hey my kid has to go to rehab or they their problems have exceeded my skill set what do I do and I can imagine there there's a lot of stigmas and a lot of shame to work through um, I guess what would you um, what sort of encouragement might you offer to, to parents uh, or, or to teens about pushing through the stigma and the barriers to to seek out treatment at at the level of Newport. Yeah, I think it's just getting real about the the situations that we find ourselves in culturally, um, the the pressures, the baggage that we all carry. We all have our our abilities and the things that we brought into this whole journey as a parent or as a teenager, and things get the best of us. And it really is a place where it's not over. You get to grow and you can't go back and undo all the things that there are wounds that happen. There are things that I think as a parent, I know I've had to own and tell my kids, Hey, I apologize. Um, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry that hurts you. And, uh, and, if sometimes they want more, sometimes they're like, we're moving on. <laughs> um, but it's really powerful just to say, we're not going to stay where we are. We're going to keep moving forward. And that everything isn't just have to be in this cycle. I think that's what I see so many times with 
with families is that they've been stuck in this cycle or that system or an attachment-based family therapy. They call it the dance um, that, uh, you know, this is what it's developed into between the parents and the child. And for that to get changed, that's the goal that we have in our residential treatment is we're not going to fix the system. We're not going to change everything in that amount of time. But if we can alter the dance a little bit, there can be a different dynamic that unfolds so that that family can move forward into recovery. Uh, that's that's the hope. That really is what it's about. Yeah, the hope is in systemic incremental systemic change. Yeah, all of the all of the dancers working together to to start to create a new rhythm, which will take a lot of work and a lot of time. But I, I appreciate this perspective of uh, you know as as a response to, to stigmas, you know, to access a service like this to to air quotes send my kid to rehab. It, yeah. it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you're an overwhelming failure or your kids no. messed up beyond reckon. It sounds like it's more like saying, yeah, there's, there's problems, which that, that's legitimate, but there's a way forward. And taking this step, this very courageous, very bold, often very wise step is saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in tune enough. I'm humble enough. I am, you know, daring enough, loving enough to say, yeah, let's, let's move forward by whatever means necessary. Yeah. What what you just spoke to there. I think that really is the key. If you have, you have to have some humility to look at your own stuff and then courage. And then do you love this other person enough to move anything forward? And that is, that is letting some other things go. Um, it's interesting when when I've seen the the family day. Um, there are some families who they uh, their instinct is to look at the cultural forces and go, "Well, it's legalization of pot. That's what did it, you know." Or it was this <laughs> or that. It's the school. Um, and for to get underneath that and not engage in that argument to go, "Okay, those are real forces, whatever part they play," but how do we move past it to loving the person that we want to love and building something? So attachment based family therapy. I mean, you have like several of my favorite words in there all all at once. I'm familiar with attachment theory and I'm familiar with family systems is attachment based family therapy distinct from those or a hybrid or what, what is that in particular? Yeah, no, it's, it's based off of Bowlby's work, um, on attachment work. And in fact, um, Sue Johnson, who she did the um, oh emotional, what is it? Emotionally focused. focused. Yeah. She also is kind of did a book about attachment based family therapy um, for, for the whole family system. That is really the basis. And then, yeah. And our clinical director, she, in speaking with her, she really had, um, she, she just got tired of this, dynamic that happened in residential treatment where clients would come and they'd make great progress. And then on the flight home, they were, you know, slipping little bottles out of the, out of the cart on the airplane so that they could go and face mom and dad again. And, you know, just realizing this is not working. We need a different, we need to address that system. We can't do this in isolation if we're going to sustain recovery. 
Absolutely, because uh, I know. I think I remember noticing the same thing about you know you you know you know church summer camp too, where you know you go away, you'd have this like super spiritual high, all this like come to Jesus joy, which was great. And I mean, sure, there's something genuine about it. But then, like, if they don't have any support structure or infrastructure at home, then there's you know these great highs they don't get sustained. And it sounds like a similar dynamic with with the treatment. Like you learn all of this stuff, you get all of this clarity, but then. If only one member of the whole family system is trying to change, then you know one member versus the, the system isn't going to do very well. So that does seem really vital to bring in the family to to help the whole family heal altogether. Yeah, because yeah, at least that is um, there needs to be this movement that's happening together in the same direction. It doesn't have to be everybody agrees then on on even the, the, the narrative. I mean, I think that's part of what happens when you pass through adolescence into young adulthood is you go, I do see things differently than mom and dad and things in my house, I have my own perspective on them, but it doesn't mean that you then have to, um, attachment-based family therapy is, is it's pushing against that idea of, you know, that we have to, um, we have to break, from our families. We all we're best if we feel that support and love and that acknowledgement from our families that we have that safe place um, to move out into the world. Uh, that, that's, that's the ideal. And so if we can bless those relationships and strengthen them and, and then uh, have them have there be a level of healing and at least, you know, some, some acknowledgement that, okay, that's your story. That sounds so exciting. So, so walk me, walk me through some of the logistics. So for me, so I'm, uh, so I'm in private practice in mm-hmm. Russia Morgan, uh, across the river from, from the Vancouver facility. I, I work with some teens, uh, mostly adults, although I work with some adults who are still within the, the upper age bracket, early twenties. Sure. So, um, so say I come across a person who, again, they're, 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 their acuity level is a little bit more than what I can effectively handle in just a private practice setting. Cause yeah, seeing somebody once a week, even going, you know, see me an hour a week being, you know, with me two hours a week in group, sometimes that's not enough. So if I wanted to, to network with you or refer someone, what's that process? Yeah. So you can just, you can contact me directly. I mean, I can give you my contact information. There's an admissions line right on the Newport Academy website. But ideally, if, if, you, if I'm connected, then what helps me is that I want to follow that referent relationship all the way through so that you're connected with that client as they come into residential so that what I want to do with our reference is I want you to get a weekly update from our clinical team while that client's with us so they can tell you what's going on. You can give some feedback there. That is really valuable to us as well as to you. And then um, as we get closer to discharge, we want to be putting together a wraparound level of care. So maybe they need another outpatient group or they need, it's hard to find intensive outpatient, especially for adolescents. If anybody knows any in Portland, please let me know. I found a couple, (laughs) but um, yeah, it's tough to find that level of care for, for adolescents. But uh, then we're connected all the way through and you're getting that communication that helps the family. Um, They may need family therapy 
on the on the other side. And so if that's your specialty, then we pull them in. If that's not, then we, you know, we build out a larger team to sustain that recovery. We don't want kids to come back to us. <laughs> we want them to move right. forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no recurring customers if we can help it. Right. So okay. Yeah. I mean, me as a me as a potential referent, I really appreciate that value of the valuing my my perspective and my work too. And I granted I'm not always really great at this because I mean I'm gonna pull the, the logistics card, but uh but the idea of being able to, to network and have a really open line of communication, that sounds really refreshing and uh and really welcoming. So so you'd be keeping me in the loop and then we'd coordinate so I could hopefully be there to, you know, welcome the the kid as soon as they, they get out and be able to offer more ongoing services again. Yeah. Yeah. That's ideal. And, uh, and then we, we try to, to be, while they're with us, we want them obviously focused and working with our team. And so we want to give you the updates, you know, as you want them, if you want to email, you want a phone call, whatever's the best way for you, but um, to kind of just keep you in the process and uh, that's that's the ideals that it just moves through. And uh, we do have most of our clients come in, like I said, with a real resistance to coming into treatment. And our teams are really good at meeting clients and helping them to move from resistance to engaging with the process, um, because usually things have gotten to the place where it is hey, we only have so many options right now. Um, we can keep going around in this. You've been hospitalized. You've been in this situation with mom and dad. You've kind of worn out these things. And can we start to maybe try something different? And yeah. our teams are really good at that. For sure. Uh, in terms of uh, of a distance, so so you mentioned kind of where your facilities are. There, there's the, the Washington one, the California one, the, the, the Connecticut one. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far do... Uh, folks typically travel or how what's the farthest away that people come from sometimes well people they'll go (laughs) it just depends on some of the dynamics um i i knew a client when i was in up in port townsend who was from new york um and so they've come across the country for the different programs just depending on what the dynamic is um in my role i've been since I've been doing this the last year in Portland, I haven't had anybody who wanted to go to Connecticut. So, <laughs> but um, definitely I, we have clients who want to go to Port Townsend or, or Kirkland. Um, and then there's so many people in the Portland area who have connections in California. And so they can go into um, Northern Cal, which is the Bay area, kind of San Francisco, San Jose area. And then, uh, Southern Cal and Orange County. So many families have connections there that it's it's pretty it's pretty good for a lot of families. Okay, yeah, that's really great. And other other question around the, the addictions component of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, a couple there. So, uh, is your model is yours uh, harm reduction or abstinence based? I think what we're really working on is that family system what's tolerable in this family system there are some of those tools that are a part of the um of the treatment for for substance use but i think that it's really setting them up to what what is the situation for them um so i don't know that we would say that we are hardcore one way or the other we we 
if clients come in and they're under, um, if, if they're having MAT, medically assisted treatment, uh, we will sustain that as they come into treatment. We're a little bit more reticent to prescribe in our programs because usually when they've come into residential, they've been bounced, they, they've been bouncing up and down just with their lifestyle and then also sometimes with medications. So when they come into residential, we, um, we really want them to kind of experience a new normal with, you know, kind of sleep patterns. We do meals as medicine. So in all of our places, there's, it's like farm to table food and um, not sugars, not caffeines, try to get them mellowing out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. That's like a dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on your, pr- yeah. <laughs> right, right, not right. for clients. But, I mean, <laughs> not for clients all the time, but I'm, I've always, I've always been wanting to see that. Like people like talk about the food because I mean, yeah. I mean, some of my experiences with residential, I mean, they go to this highly structured place where they're theoretically getting all of this, this theoretical knowledge, but then they get fed crap and then they're expected to be told, Oh yeah, I feel good and regulate yourself. Well, I'm like, ah, yeah. So yeah, it misses the whole like mind body integration and everything. So no, anyway. we very uh, much have that whole integrated model of going on. So food, rest, um, we do a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, mindfulness. Like I said, there's yoga. Uh, Port Townsend is very cool. They have a yurt dedicated to, for yoga and for um, mixed martial arts. They'll use it for that. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Some just, we, every client is different and they, you know, maybe one of them really resonates with the art therapy or the equine therapy, but um, learning some, just experiencing food like that can be revolutionary. Cool. So I guess, well, uh, last, last question here. And hopefully by the time this one airs, this will be an outdated question, but uh, during the whole uh, COVID storm, uh, what are some what are some of the precautions measures you're taking to continue to continue to offer these services in the social distancing era? Yeah, we've been really fortunate in that we've been able to keep all of our locations open. Um, we've done additional screening at all the locations as they come into the assessment process. We're screening them when they arrive. We screen them again. Um, we screen our staff. Um, if anybody you know has any symptoms, don't come to work. Very strict about it. Um, and so we've really been able to keep all of our facilities operating. So as far as residential care, um, our programs are moving as normal. The only thing that has changed is that there's no visitors. And so the parents' day is not on site right now. So that's all being done virtually to kind of protect the environment there on the residential campus. And hopefully that will resume. Uh, yeah. In the days ahead. I hope so. Soon, soon days ahead. Yeah. Uh, we're already. Yes. <laughs> Marcus, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, we'll go, I'll go put it in the liner notes also, but if you want to say like the best way to find you to find, find Newport, Sure. Where, where can people yeah, if you want to, you can just simply email me, marcus.robinson at newportacademy.com. And then I will, I'll be happy to reach out to you. Um, and then newportacademy.com, if you just want to get on the website, if you want to just, if you need to look at the resources, um, we've put out some amazing webinars and some other resources to help families. 
one of the great things that's on there that not many residential treatment centers have is, um, I believe it was 2018, Vanderbilt University did an outcome study for Newport. And so uh, we really want to focus on those kinds of measurable um, assessments of our programs and how they affect the lives of our clients. So all that's available on the website as well, too. Do you do like a clinician tours? Well, we do. Maybe not right now. Yeah, yeah. We're ha- we loved, yeah, especially um, the, the place we just opened in Kirkland. Um, we'll do an open house here sometime since we opened it right in the middle of the pandemic, which was weird. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but we'll definitely do like an open house. And then I love to put to, I, I, I'm lo- I want to put together some tours where people go to Port Townsend and then get over to Kirkland. So, yeah. Okay. Love yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'd be, that'd be really great. That's super exciting. Marcus, thanks for taking some time to, to talk with me and to share this great resource with, with me and with the community. And I, well, I don't hope that I will have people who need you, but like, I, <laughs> I, 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 do. <laughs> I feel the same way, Reese. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but I do hope to collaborate more in the future. So, yeah. Thanks so much for the time. I love the podcast, been able to get a little more familiar with it. And I think you guys are doing some great work. So thanks. Look forward to Thank working you. with you. Thank you very much. Uh, dear listener, thanks for listening along. Do look up uh, Marcus Robinson and Newport Academy. Uh, while you're at it, check out smartcouncil.com slash Patreon because, or patreon.com slash smartcouncil because I do like dollars. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Let's keep the conversation going. We love your feedback and invite you to share your thoughts about this conversation. Also, we'd appreciate your review and five-star rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Share your thoughts through email at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at facebook.com slash smartcouncilpodcast. Please consider supporting this podcast with a financial donation through patreon.com slash smartcouncil. Our theme music is by Trent Price. Our logo design is by Thomas Moore. Thanks again for listening, and let's keep the conversation going. Music